0: The Money Show. The Africa Business Report.
1: Victor Homeswana, the, Afri- the author of Africa Bounces Back, is with us this evening from Polo Kwane uh, with the Africa Business Report. And, I mean, remittances on the African continent are absolutely pivotal uh, for, so- for the survival of so many families uh, across the continent. You've got a particular insight on Rwanda's remittances. Are these records of highs that we're seeing, Victor? Good evening, Bruce. It's
0: a a very exciting country because of its political crisis. Well, political problems that it often experiences because of Rwandan people who are not living in the country, especially because the majority of the remittances are coming from African countries. Rwanda is just over, what, 11 million people, but it's got... uh, People in diaspora in in Canada, in the U.S., but in Belgium as well, some countries like Germany in Europe. But the majority of these remittances, as in number of countries, will be coming from African countries, Bruce. It is something that in Africa has been monitored closely comparing it to official, what is it, donor assistance. And it has exceeded by far the donor assistance because it's what happens when the quality of life in a country is not what it should be or could be, professionals and people with money tend to migrate and stay elsewhere but because they leave family behind they have to keep on sending money back to to their home country so it's just one of those indicators it's still below 10% of the gdp but at 460 or so million dollars it's not small change it's it's almost as large as the size of the tourism industry of Rwanda and because tourism in in Rwanda is so big at just over 500 billion it shows you just how critical remittances are and that's why you see Rwanda investing so much Bruce in foreign relations because it understands that it's a small country it's landlocked and although it's very dynamic in how it's running the economy it depends a lot on people outside of, of of the home country still
1: yeah, fascinating insight there. A connection and a better connection between East and West Africa and West and East Africa, if you like, maybe Northeast Africa, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, Northwest Africa and East Africa, with a tie-up between Air Morocco and uh, also Kenya Airways.
0: Exactly, and Bruce, every time you see Kenya Airways, don't forget South African Airways because they do have that code-sharing agreement. Two wounded state-owned airlines and Kenya Airways and South African Airways. So wherever Kenya Airways is going in building this code-sharing agreement, it's going to take South African Airways with them. And that's good in this post-COVID recovery. North Africa, especially Morocco and those countries like Egypt, are very critical in linking Africa to Europe, you have heard Bruce. Many people say when you fly to say Nigeria, you often have to go to France. I mean, maybe not Nigeria, but places like Ghana, where where maybe Cote d'Ivoire. You often, sometimes, well, sometimes have to fly to France and then back to Africa. So by flying and having the code sharing agreement with airlines like Morocco, you will now be able to at least not go all the way to Europe. Because of that, you'll be able to connect much more with greater speed, and that, that code sharing means whatever recovery Kenya Airways is experiencing will, will spill over to South African Airways. Kenya Airways, remember Bruce, used to have a very good alliance with KLM Air France, but that marriage ended in divorce as the, the, the European airlines withdrew their shareholding, and they're having to learn to do it themselves. And I'm pleased to see that they are co sharing agreements, at least in the past six months, with South African Airways and now with Morocco.
1: Good on that particular front. Uh, Glencore, of course, um, finding itself in all kinds of troubles. Its business practices being criticized, its business practices, uh, it's getting uh, court judgments uh, against it, and it's making some very big settlements when it comes to Congo, and Glencore, of course, which has got South African connections, is listed on the JSE, is paying fine after fine, it would seem.
0: Yeah, and remember, they have have admitted to paying bribes in just about every other African country except South Africa, which is very intriguing. But this time, $180 million in the DRC. Everything about the DRC just drives me crazy because I know how rich that country is, and it has always been the center of civil war with the diamonds and and a lot of other minerals. Now you know the tan and all that is related to the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So at least... It is good that big business is beginning to be held accountable. The compensation is not going to undo the damage done on that country, but at least Big business is beginning to realize that this sustainability reporting is not just paper exercise. It is something they are going to have to start feeling in their bank account. And maybe, maybe Africa might just be turning the corner. Because when we talk about Africa as having a corruption problem, Bruce, we forget that corruption is an equation. And on the one side, yes, there might be a corrupt politician, but it means on the other side there's a corrupt businessman willing to transact in that unsavory way.
1: And then talk to me about Mozambique and its dollar debt. If Trevor Manuel gave South Africa one significant and lasting gift, it was to ensure that the vast majority of our foreign debt was denominated in rand, not in dollars. And we've uh, started developing an unhealthy attachment to borrowing money in dollars in recent years, of course, as it's become harder and harder to come by. Uh, Mozambique has seen a big jump up in dollar debt over the last 12 months. Yeah, 900
0: million. You know, what COVID did, Bruce, it forced countries that were not so bad in terms of the economy or balance of or payments or, or deficit to be to be forced to go and borrow. And it, no country is exempted in Africa, as far as I know. The question is, are you 50% of your GDP indebted? Countries like Kenya, over 75%. Countries like Uganda, I just reaching that 50% mark, which is recommended as the ceiling by the IMF and the World Bank, Mozambique has a a particular peculiar problem. You know a man called Emmanuel Chang, who was the Minister of Finance, and Armando Gabuza, the former president, who people like myself were praising as being very good businessmen running the country. Unfortunately, after leaving the office, disclosing that they had taken a $2 billion loan, that was not disclosed. So, it's almost like the balance sheet or the statement of financial position of Mozambique wasn't known during the time of Armando Gabuza. The debt was uncovered, the tuna scandal, as they called it, but now with COVID having done all the damage it did on, on on African economies or emerging economies, they find themselves, although they were not doing too badly, being forced to increase their external indebtedness. But at least President Nsibidi is is showing the ability to be decisive. You you would have heard that Total Energies is beginning is considering resuming activity in Cabo Delgado with the help of two thousand or so Rwandan soldiers. So. At least the economy is, is cooking at home. It's, it's starting to have the activity that we are knowing more than big for in mining and resources and, and a whole lot of other areas. So maybe, let's hope, let's just hope that this is the last time they have to go to the foreign lenders. But 900 million is a, is a huge chunk of debt. I don't know how they're going to save the, 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 the interest on that one.
1: Thank you, Victor. The author of Africa bounces back on the line to us this evening from Bulukwane. Yep.